Um, for the next two weeks, I want to talk about worship. And today, we're going to talk about holistic worship in word and deed. And then next week, we're going to talk about ultimate worship. We're going to be looking at Re Revelation 4 and 5 in our time together next week. But today, we're going to talk about holistic worship. Stories told of a young boy who went to church with his parents. They were kind of church hopping, actually. And, and he was very observant. Didn't say a whole lot, but he listened and he watched. He watched as his parents came into church and sat down. And in that particular church, there was an organ. So the wife kind of snickered at the husband over having an organ in a church. Thought that was kind of old-fashioned. They had the time when the group got up and led in worship, and they thought that it was incredibly boring. Some of the musicians didn't know how to play their instruments very well, so they talked a little bit about that. Then a woman got up to sing, and that was all the wife could do to keep from laughing. She thought it was so funny. The woman was off tune. It was just pathetic. And then the guy got up to preach, and he went far too long, and he was just Always the problem with messages, right? <laughs> the offering plane came by, and the father did throw a dollar in. So they got back in the, in the car and on their way home. Of course, they just argued about everything. Too long, too boring, too unprofessional, too, 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 too. Too, too. <laughs> Finally, the little boy spoke up. He said, Mom and Dad, you got to admit, though, it was a pretty good show for a dollar. <laughs> so is worship just a show? Is worship just a performance? You mean people will say, that church knows how to worship. I actually think this church does for, for a variety of other reasons, though, okay, that I'm going to add to that. So what is worship? I'm going to go with one definition today. I'm going to give it to you. It's going to be kind of generic to start with, but we're going to fill it out primarily from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. But I'm going to mention a couple of the verses in the process. Here, here's the generic definition. We need to fill it out, though. It's, it's not enough, but it's something to start with. Worship is an appropriate human response to divine revelation. Worship is an appropriate human response to divine revelation. You say, you got to tell me, what, what do you mean response? What do you mean divine revelation? What do you, what do you, okay, fair enough. I'm going to unpack that. And, and I want to I go to Hebrews 13 in just a moment, but can, can I read to you another familiar text when it comes to worship, and, and just unpack a couple things here with you as we begin to wrestle with this whole idea of divine revelation. What does that mean? If it's a human response to divine revelation, what in the world is the divine revelation that we're responding to? Does that make sense? In John chapter 4, familiar passage where Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. In verse 19 of John 4, listen to the conversation. Let me just make a couple comments. Bible says this, John chapter 4, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So there's this, there's this kind of this worship wars game going on, right? Like, is it Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans do it, or is it going to be Jerusalem where the Jews do it? Okay, fair enough. Jesus' response, verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, which is not so much of a shocker for me as a Jew that it's not on this mountain, but you mean it's not going to be in Jerusalem either? Uh Uh-uh, it's not. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And all Jesus is saying is, There is a trajectory that comes right out of the Old Testament where God has made all kinds of promises and the oracles of God have come through the Jewish nation, right? Not not through the Samaritan teaching, but through the Jewish nation. But listen, it doesn't stop there. So he goes on to say, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the fathers seek. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what he's saying? In their day, it was all about a place. Jerusalem, Gerizim, where, where, where? No, 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 no. It's not about a place. It's about persons. One person responding to God, and there's a debate. You see, when you see the word spirit in this text, worship God in spirit and in truth, some of your translations have a capital S. Some have a little s. The Greek word, you know what it means? It means spirit, which means it could be your spirit or it could be the Holy Spirit. Knowing Greek isn't going to help you a lick. And so that's why you'll see translations go both ways. Here's the bottom line. When you fill out in Scripture, worship is always about what happens through the Holy Spirit from my spirit, isn't it? So the the Bible will talk about both of those. So whatever the debate is on there, they're both actually true. But here's the point. It's not about a place. It's about the fact that the Spirit of God resides within me. I am now a temple. You are a temple if you know Christ. And we can personally, from our spirit, through the Holy Spirit, Talk to God. Respond to him. And Jesus says, it's incredible. You don't have to go to a place. He's here. Wow. Worship in spirit and in truth. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? It's Jesus Christ. The Jews have the oracles of God. But in Jesus' day, they didn't see that it all was manifested and fulfilled in him. And Jesus is saying, don't you know that worship at the end of the day is about me? For I fulfill all of that. And I will give you of the Spirit. And you can personally know now the ultimate truth, which is a divine revelation, which is always bound up in Jesus. That's what John says. It's not located by a place. It's very personal. And it's all about Jesus. Divine revelation, according to John, is all about what God has done in Jesus. 
So flip over to Hebrews 13. That's really our main text. And you'll find the exact same thing. If we had time, if we could start reading in Hebrews 1.1, we will find out that God has chosen to reveal himself to us no longer through the Old Testament prophets, but now in this final way in divine revelation through Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus, as you begin reading through the book of Hebrews, he's greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater, he's greater, he's greater, he's greater. And by the time you get to chapter 13, you are blown away with Jesus. He is everything. Which is why in Hebrews chapter 13, Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In the book of Hebrews, there were certain Jewish believers that were wondering, maybe we should go back to all the ritual and all the stuff of Judaism. They have a big temple still. They have all this stuff. All we are is this fledging little community that are seeking to be followers of Jesus, and they're so much bigger than us, and there are all kinds of pressure. And the writer of Hebrews says, oh, no, 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 no. All of that is fulfilled in Christ. Do not go back. Yes, you're suffering. Yes, you're being oppressed. Yes, people are putting pressure on you all over. But Jesus Christ is God's ultimate revelation. And it's all about him. And so in Hebrews 13, as you come up to verses 15 and 16, Jesus the writer will reiterate that Jesus fulfills it all. Don't go back. Okay. So, Doug, what you're telling me then is that a human response to divine revelation, you still haven't told me what the human response is, like I'm waiting, okay, what's coming. But you're telling me that the divine revelation is everything that God has done in Jesus. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. It's all about Christ. He is the culmination of everything that has come before. Okay, so how do we respond then? How do we respond? And what you'll notice in verses 15 and 16 of Hebrews 13 is the language of sacrifice is used in both verses. I mean, we don't understand sacrifice much because like probably my guess is nobody you know, cut a sheep's throat recently, bled it out, and then sacrificed it. Now, if you do, did, did that, you're probably in a heap of trouble with PETA. And whatever other, I'm sure they, New Jersey for sure must have regulations about that. I just can't imagine they wouldn't, right? But we don't live in that world, do we? I mean, when we eat chicken, we want it all cleaned and plucked and everything else. All we want is the legs and the breast, and you know, that's all I want. I, sometimes when I go overseas and you go to some of these places and they give us this food, and I'm thinking like, what, what's, what's that in the soup? And they say, oh, that's, that's the chicken feet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm sort of saying, eat some. And, you know, you pray real hard about, for your meal, and then you just eat it. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a different world, right? But everything here is sanitized. But in the ancient world, it was all about how do I sacrifice to God, to the deity, give him what he wants? And, and so, 
So the writer of Hebrews says, I'm happy to use that terminology. So what is it from people who realize everything is fulfilled in Jesus, what is it that God wants from us? What's the sacrifice? Look what he says, verse 15. Through Jesus, I love that. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. What does God want from you? God wants you and I, because in our heart of hearts, we confess Jesus is everything. So that the fruit of our lips give praise to his name. You know, we live in a cruel, broken world, don't we? Don't you get a little bit nervous when you look around? And I do. I don't know how people do it that don't know Christ because at the end of the day, man can't control man. That's for sure. That's for sure. What does it mean to live in a world where we get sick, where people oppress, where terrorist groups terrorize the world? This text tells us we can worship in the midst of all that. Do you know, if you're sick, if you're really sick, it doesn't change this text. If you're out of a job, it doesn't change this text. If you're having relational difficulties, it doesn't change this text. Because at the end of the day, Jesus Christ, there's one thing, folks, that is absolutely certain. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And in my darkest, most difficult moments, I can still say, I have you. I'm in Christ. I'm secure. I'm scared, but I'm secure. And, and the greatest of all realities, which none of us who know Jesus Christ can ever lose, I have. And it's mine. And he can talk to a beleaguered group of people Believers in the book of Hebrews who are scared. They're wondering if the pressure is just going to be too hard. And he says, it's okay. In the midst of all that, you can offer back to God who has revealed himself in the person of his son. Praise. Now, it's true. Sometimes my praise is just cut loose because my life is going real well and everything's going well. And I'm just going like, praise God. Other times, my praise is much more muffled. Isn't it? But still in my heart, I can say, God is here. And for that, I'm thankful. Do, do, do you see, folks? The most optimistic people on this earth are believers. Not because we act like there's no problems. We actually see it more deeply because of the sin issue. But we know there's a conquering king. We know there's one who can sympathize with everything we go through. 
We know that he loves us and he's coming back for us one day. And that truth, that revelation that keeps hitting us and keeps hitting us and keeps hitting us makes us just say, God, with my lips, whether I'm singing along with the group and we're worshiping together, we should be doing that now, shouldn't we? But it's okay to do it in the shower at home by yourself. It's okay to hum in the car, put on music and crank it up and just think about him. Haven't you found yourself doing that sometimes? You start humming that song. Maybe it's one of the songs that we just sang here. We, we sang that. We've sung a couple songs in the last couple months, man. I just like, it, I feel like it's kind of like a cat on a screen door. I can't get it off. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just stuck. And, 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 and it just, I keep singing them. Did you do that? That's good. That's what it's about. We do it together. We do it individually. We do it wherever we are. We're just always saying, God, I love you. I'm so thankful for what you've done. I, I just, I'm overwhelmed with what you've done in Jesus. That doesn't change the hardships of lives. But you know what it does? It changes how I see them. Doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? We all wear glasses. The question is, what are the glasses that we're going to wear? And if we allow the divine revelation of God to overflow our hearts, it makes all the difference. Remember Paul speaking in Colossians 3? Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. What's the message of Christ? It's the gospel. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what do we do? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So when we're here together, and we're being led by the group up here and praise to God. We are encouraging. Aren't you encouraged when the body of Christ is singing? I am. I mean, I mean, this is this 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 is a great group of singers in here. Now, maybe individually you're not very good. I don't know. But I mean, as a group, as a group, you know, we maybe all whatever. But but as a group, and and that's part of what we're called to do. We we teach and admonish and encourage one another as we're singing praises to God. And then he goes on and says this: singing. With thanksgiving in your heart to God. It is both personal and corporate. All as a response to divine revelation. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do you see? It's all the way through the Bible. So what does it mean to worship? It means to constantly see afresh the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Allow that to just overwhelm your part soul. So you cut loose in the shower and you cut loose when you're here with the people of God. Because you're just thankful and praising and overwhelmed with him. Is that the only sacrifice? There's a second sacrifice in the text. Not only my words, but also my deeds. Look at what he says here. In verse 16. And do not forget to do good. And to share with others. For with such sacrifices. God is pleased. Do you know. It is impossible. To satisfy God. That can only be done through his son. 
You cannot satisfy the demands of God from sinners apart from knowing Jesus. It's impossible. So if you're here today and you're saying, I'm kind of just trying out the religion thing a little bit. You, I, I just want you to know something. You can't satisfy God. You cannot. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough. Forget it. All you can do is fall before the one that loves you and has died for you and say, take me into your arms, forgive me, make, make me your forgiven follower. And he will. You can't satisfy God. But if you do know him as your personal savior, you can please him. And the kind of sacrifice that he wants is not just my words, but my deeds. In the book of Hebrews, the writer looks back over what the saints have gone through and he says, you know, I've seen these times in your life when brothers and sisters are in prison and you visit them and, 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 and their kids aren't being ta taken care of, so you take care of them. And, and you're even willing to give of your own resources and be oppressed and be mocked, but you're always about ministering to others no matter what they're going through. And the writer says, when you do that as an act of worship to the God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, not just in your words, but in your deeds, God is pleased. Some of the most powerful, what we call one another passages in the whole New Testament come from the book of Hebrews. Did you know that? Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10. I love Hebrews 10, where he says, what I want you to do is, I want you to think about Every way imaginable that you can to, well, better, better than try to paraphrase. Let me just read it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, I want to say. Yes. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some in the ha are in the habit of doing, but rather encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, that ultimate day of Christ approaching. When we meet afterwards back there for the wonderful time of eating food, which is one of the greatest things this church has ever instituted. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't know about you, but I love going back there and talking with people as I'm popping grapes in my mouth and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a good, I don't know if there's grapes today. It doesn't matter, but I'm just saying, whatever it is, I'm just like loving that. It's really, really a good time. But when I go back and I see Joe, I need to ask myself, what can I do to be used by God to stimulate him to love and good works? How, how can I encourage Joe so Joe will go out of here saying, man, I want to like, Love Jesus this week even more. Man, I, what, what can I do for him? Who can I speak to? I mean, Finkbinder's praying for me and caring for me. Like, what, that, that's part of what I want to happen back then. I want to eat too, of course. But, 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 but that, isn't that important to you? And the passage says, look for ways that you can move into each other's lives and you can be the stimulant through which that person moves into all of their relationships differently because God has used you in their life. That's pretty cool. And this text says, worship is all about our words. We never want to minimize that. What we do together, what we do in the shower, what we do on the way to work, it's all that. But it's my deeds. 
It's my deeds that reach out and say, here's a brother or sister in Christ who has a struggle and has, has a need, and what can I do to help them? And it's all about saying after the game, not talking about the latest things that's happened with the New York Giants or Philadelphia Eagles. Heavens, don't even go there. But, but um, you, you know, can, I, can I just share something with you? I, I was thinking about this. I, was, I, I swim twice a week at the Y. You may not believe, believe that looking at me now, but it's true. I, I, do, I do actually do a little bit of exercise. Not much, but a little bit. And I, I'm in the locker room, and I'm hearing two guys are, are talking, and and they were talking about, do you, do you really remember Buddy Ryan? Used to be, uh, okay. I had forgotten about him for good reason. But anyway. And, you know, they're talking about, hey, remember the days of Buddy Ryan? They're going back and talking. Yeah, laughing. And, and I get that. That's, it's okay. It's all part of life. But I couldn't help thinking as I heard them talk. In light of eternity, who cares about Buddy Ryan? <laughs> now, now, Buddy Ryan does in his family. I know. I know. But you know what I'm saying? We talk about the most insignificant things sometimes. And say, I think better say we can't talk about football. No, we can talk about football, but let's all just talk about football, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? I want to be here with the people of God, and I want to invest in their lives. So I'm flying home from Atlanta the other, this week. I was down there for a conference, and I'm coming back. I got two guys on each side, and the Spirit of God was telling me, Think, Biner, you got to give a witness to me, man. Now get at it. And it wasn't as full as I would have liked. I give you that. But I was looking for every jab I could to say something about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. So that all we do, wherever we go, we are, and, and it's not, it's not some legalistic, I have to do this. It's my duty because that's what they say we have to do. That'll last about an hour. It's divine revelation. It just overwhelms my soul. It just hits me. And I can't help but speak about it. I can't help but do something about it. So whatever I say, whatever I do is worship. I'm going to read something to you. Then I'm going to zip it and be done. Oh, before I read, I'm going to say one other thing, though. Okay. I'm only going to say about two or three more things here. Okay. I don't want to lie. You know, that's all this. But James mentioned this last week or the week before. Well, he, I mentioned one of your messages. Romans 12. Do you hear that now differently? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, I urge you based upon the mercies of God. Paul has spent 11 chapters pouring into our heart the mercies of God. Lost, undone, hopeless, helpless, enemies. Justified, redeemed, transformed, given of the Spirit, adopted, called sons and daughters. I mean, just, wow! Tells me about the whole future where it's all going to end up. Chapters 9, 10, 11, just zips us through that whole thing and says these little words, I urge you by the mercies of God. My goodness, there's a lot of mercies of God. 11 whole chapters of the mercy of God that has overwhelmed my soul. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
You know what they say. The problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling back off the altar. That's true. I get it. I get it. But you give your whole self. And rather than by living by the world standards, you're constantly having your mind renewed. What does it mean to take in what God has done for me in the person of Christ and how that should be impacting all of my responsibilities and all of my relationships? And I'm taking it in and I'm taking it in and I'm taking it in. And then I'm just cutting loosing, loo- cutting loosing. No, I cut loose in praise to God. And I worship him by the way I treat others. And everything changes. Let me read this and then honestly, I'll, 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 be, I'll be done. Basically. I, I teach a class in the uh, college at Lancaster Bible College <clears throat> called The Life of Christ, which I love, as you can imagine, I love to teach. And we look at all four Gospels. Go, I make them read something called a harmony of the Gospels where they got to read everything, but it's set up as a harmony. And they, go, they, go through, they go through it all and they got to write, you know, the, all the stuff you do with that. But I just gave them a test this week. Um, and I gave him an extra credit question because they always, that's a really nice thing. I said, three extra points for if you just answer this question, if you choose not to, it's your business, like three extra points. Well, everybody answers it because everybody wants credit. And I asked them this. What has been most significant to you this semester from this class? That was it. And got a lot of great responses. Can I read one to you? Listen how divine revelation changes everything. This is this man as a teacher, you're reading this, you're going like, wow, this is why we do this. Listen to what this young lady says. She said, at the beginning of this course, I was starting to doubt my faith and question God. With that being said, this course helped me to help me the most to instead turn to God fully with, with all the doubts and all the worries. I would say that the harmony assignments guided me back to the right path. While reading the scriptures through the harmony, I was drawn back to Jesus. I was amazed about his compassion, which he showed to all people through his public ministry. And then he gave his life for mankind. This hit me so hard one day after class that I was left with a longing to know him more and not to remain stagnant in my faith. This past weekend, I prayed to God to fully utilize me in this life. Like John stated, he must increase, I must decrease. When I was in New York City this past weekend, I saw so many people that were hungry to hear the word. I was able to share the gospel with homeless individuals and to genuinely care about their lives. Without this course, I am not sure that I would have reached that point in my life. And then she goes on with some couple other things. Yeah, she got three points on that one. You can mark it. (laughs) But isn't that what it's about? She read the word and fell in love with Jesus afresh. Didn't get any better than that. What is worship? Worship is a human response to divine revelation. Let me give you the longer definition, which you probably won't remember, but I'll give it to you anyway. Here it is. I'll say, try to say it slow. Worship is our wholehearted response through our words of praise and our deeds of love to the God who has revealed to us his glory and grace 
in Christ. Do you hear in there both divine revelation and human response? Worship is our wholehearted response through our words of praise and our deeds of love to the God who has revealed himself to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Will you remember that, brothers and sisters? If you don't know him, will you come to him? But if you know him, then worship. Holistic worship in everything you say and in everything you do. Let's pray. Father, do your good work, we pray in our hearts through your spirit. Where brothers and sisters need to be confronted, challenged, Lord, do that good work. It, 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 it hurts, but it, it hurts good. We need it. And Lord, where we need encouragement, may your spirit encourage us with the truth of the gospel. Lord, overwhelm us afresh with the person of Jesus Christ so that both our words and our works are our expression of worship back to you. We love you. Not as much as we should. Not as much as we will. But more than we used to. Continue your good work in our hearts, we pray. Because of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.